It's the pain of discipline that keeps so many of us from what we need to do and from the awesome destiny God has for us. for Hard Knocks. Amen, amen. And truly, we're standing here only because he made a way. Amen, amen. One additional announcement. We have changed our countdown timer. We start the timer five minutes before service at 1055. And we have a trivia counter. So each Sunday, there will be a different trivia Today was on fall, and I watched the countdown timer. I learned some stuff. I didn't know when fall actually ended. I didn't know the main reason why the leaves of the trees were so many different colors. I didn't know the main plant that causes the most allergies. I didn't know what the freshest fruit was in the fall season. So there was a lot of stuff just from the trivia that I learned before service even started. So I'm going to ask A.V. once service is over, for those of you who missed it, to just replay the same countdown timer. It's only five minutes, but I guarantee you're going to learn something because most of you don't know the answer to any of those four things I learned this morning. But we'll have that every single service, so you might want to make sure you're here at 1055 just so you can learn something. Now, some of them will be biblical trivia, But some of it is not biblical trivia, but it's all decent for the church because there's one of them on just Super Bowls. So I'm going to flunk that to no end, but some of you are going to get every one of the Super Bowls. So some on Super Bowls, just all kinds of stuff. So it's a fun, entertaining, and educational process that will begin every Sunday and Thursday, five minutes before service. So you may want to get here at 1055 just so you can learn something Additional. It's a beautiful day outside. It really, really is. But every day is beautiful to me. I don't care if it's 20 degrees below zero. It's beautiful. I'm going to spend the month of January in Iceland, and it's cold. It's not named Iceland for nothing. But I'm going to enjoy it. It's where God has told me to be, and I have learned in life God made the weather. He made the sun, he made the rain, and without the rain, you would die. So you understand all of, well, Pastor, what about hurricanes? I don't know about hurricanes. But at least all of the weather God has made, and I've learned how to just enjoy and appreciate all of it. So it's a beautiful day, but it's a beautiful day every single day. Bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we just... Thank you so much again for just what you have granted and what you have kept us from. You have protected us, guided us, provided for us. You've made us who we are and what we are. And you know what we even can be. We just thank you for your guidance. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for your provision. Lord, I pray today that you take control of my mind and my spirit, my very thoughts. That every word that I shall speak, every thought that I shall think, be of you and from you. I pray you open the hearts and minds of the people that they shall receive upon this day that which you shall have them to hear. In thy son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. And today we're going to be speaking from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, beginning at the seventh verse. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And today I want to talk from the subject of hard knocks, hard knocks. A driver was on trial in court for killing 24 people. And he stood in front of the judge and he just started crying while he was talking. He said, judge, he said, I'm a good man. I'm a good man. I've been good all of my life. I don't know why God is just putting this on me. I'm a good man and and I'm a good man. And the judge said, God didn't do that to you. You killed 24 people in your car in one day. What's wrong with you? How in the world did that even happen? He said, well, judge, I was driving down the street about 50 miles an hour, and then my brakes went out. So I had no brakes. And I was coming up, and I saw there were two men crossing the street, and then there was this restaurant on the side with outdoor seating, and I saw all these folks sitting there and folk inside of the restaurant. So I had a decision to make. I either had to hit these two men or going to the rest. I, I just had a decision to make. He said, yeah, that makes perfectly good sense. You should have hit the two men. Well, that's what the decision I made. And when I make a decision, I stick to it, Judge. That's one thing about me. When I make a decision, I stick to it. So I decided I was just going to have to hit and kill them two men. I hit one man, and then the other man ran inside the restaurant, so I had to follow him. <laughs> Hard knocks. And sometimes we endure hard knocks and sometimes they are our fault and they're a part of the discipline of life of what we must go through. And I've had a recent series of situations of what I would call literal hard knocks, but they were a little bit different. If you all remember a few months ago, I told you about the situation with my brand new Tesla and how I was driving where God told me to go. And all of a sudden there was this big bam that hit the side of the car. And I didn't know what that was, but I knew it sounded pretty bad. I was on the expressway. There was nothing in the expressway in front of me. I couldn't logically explain what had happened. When I got where I was going, got out of the car and looked at it, there was this big dent in the car. Brand new car, wasn't even a week old. And I said to myself, see, sometimes when you're doing what God has told you to do, you wonder, why you send me through this? Lord, I didn't even want to go where you told me to go. Here, this big old dent in my car. He says, take a picture of it. Show it to Suzanne. I showed it to Suzanne. I sent it to James. And James 
called me back just a few minutes later. And he said, that's the Mountain Wings logo. Uh, A.B., if you would put picture number one up. This is just the picture of the dent. Now go ahead and put the second picture up. Second picture is the dent in the Mountain Wings logo. It's real clear that it was the Mountain Wings logo that God put and he knocked it into my car. My car is currently out in California. It's being converted into a convertible. And my good baby was talking to me one day about it. And we had known, you know, the economic downturn. Everyone is saying, don't buy anything big. And my good baby was saying, you getting this big old car and you putting all this money in this Aren't you? I said, no, I ain't worried about that. Whatever God tells me to do or whatever he leads me to, I'm not worried about it at all. I said, plus, good baby, it's really an asset. I said, you realize I'm going to have the only convertible Model S Tesla in the world? This thing is going to be worth a fortune. There's a lot of people going to offer to pay me. People are paying $40,000 more than the list price of Teslas now. I said, do you realize I got the only convertible in the world? This thing will be worth two or three times what I paid for it. I could easily sell it if I ever needed to. And then I heard God speak. He said, you're not going to sell that car for any price. You are not going to sell something I have put my mark on. I said, good grief. I mean, you mean to tell me somebody offered me a million dollars? He said, you're not going to sell that car for any price. What I have marked, you shall not sell. But I did a whole write-up on it. It's at coachb.tv forward slash prayer tower. I did a whole write-up on all of the stuff that went through, how the Mountain Wings logo It was all a part of the prayer tower that we are to build and how it's a long story. I don't have time to go in it here, but if you want to read it, coachb.tv forward slash prayer tower, and it'll read all about it. But we're to build a prayer tower and we even own prayertower.com. There's no better domain for prayer tower than prayertower.com. So we're to build it. God said, this thing, I said, this thing gonna cost a four. He said, you just put the sign up there. The people will donate to it. You just put the sign up. So, This happened months ago. Now, I took a trip about a couple of weeks ago. I went there. Ringo was with me. Our youngest son, George, was with me. I rented a car. I did all of the driving in the car because I'm the one listed on the rental thing. So we're driving around. Ringo, you here? Raise your hand. Is Ringo here? There he is. I want you to come up here. Now, Ringo doesn't know anything about this. So I hope he dressed to come up here, but that's all right. (laughs) (laughs) I want you to... Because sometimes people say, Pastor, I just don't know about that. Your stuff just be so wild. I just don't know about that. So I'm going to ask Ringo to explain as we were driving in the car. Get the mic right there. Explain. And you asked me about what we were hearing as we were driving in the car. Well, as we were driving, we heard knocking like a rock was hitting it. That's what we kept hearing. And I kept asking Pastor, that's where it's coming from. He said, I don't know. I said, well... It's like it's like a hail dropping, then at the same time, it's like a rock dropping, but it was coming from the front, but it was just jizzling, so we couldn't figure out what was going on. All right, that's it. So what we were hearing, and this happened two days in a row, it was like someone was throwing golf balls at the car. It wasn't bugs, because bugs don't make that kind of noise. It was like, bam, and bam, and bam, and Ringo said, what's that? I said, I don't know. I was worried that the car was going to be all dented up because it was so loud. And George was there with us. But I said, I wanted Ringo to tell you because you thought you may have gotten to George and George may be just telling. No, no, no. And none of us could figure out where this was coming from. We went in different sections of town. And as I would be driving, we just hit it. Bam! Like a golf ball hitting a bam. So what? No. And it was in the front. Sound like one hit the window and just all around. And we said, what in the world could this possibly be? So when we got up, we looked. There were no dents in the car. Started driving. Bam. What in the world could this be? And none of us 
to this day can understand what was hitting that car. Sometimes you get hard knocks and you don't understand what it is. Now, last Sunday I preached and I was led to just go back and listen to the sermon. And I pulled the sermon from the we have a direct recording feed here that feeds straight into a recorder. That's where I pull the sermon from. As, as I start listening to the sermon, I said, wait a minute, what is that? During the sermon, I was hearing this, bam! A.V., I pulled a couple of those. Don't worry about what I'm saying. Just listen for the bam. Go ahead and play that, A.V. Small foxes spoil the vine. And if a person cannot be trusted with a little thing. Did y'all hear that knock? There's one coming up. Here's another one. And there's even an African Ethiopian story that I was just hearing this. Bam. Where is that coming from? I couldn't understand it. Sometimes when you're dealing with stuff and it's happening over and over and you can't understand it, you need to go into prayer and ask God what is happening. Because either you're trying to tell me something or I'm being attacked by some demonic force. Lord, what is this? I had to go into prayer. And God said, You remember the first knock on your Tesla and I told you to work on that prayer tower and you started on it and stopped, hadn't done anything with it since? I knocked again in Galveston. You still ain't listening. Your last sermon, I knocked again. Now you're asking me why these knocks. I want you to build that prayer tower. Some of you, God has been And some of you haven't even said hello. You haven't even said who's that. And God is trying to get your attention. And sometimes in some of your lives, there's some strange stuff happening. You can't even explain it. My son George is a virtual genius and he had no answer to the knock because God wasn't knocking to him. Ringo had no answer to the knock because God wasn't knocking to him. I was driving. And God was hitting that car. That's the second car God has hit. And if you don't listen, he's going to knock again. But often the knocks will get louder and louder and louder and louder until you begin to listen to what the word of God has to say. Hard knocks. A student is talking to his teacher and he asked the teacher, he said, would you punish me for something I didn't do? Teacher said, no, it's not your fault. I'm not going to punish you for something you didn't do. He said, good, because I didn't do my homework. (laughs) Sometimes God is knocking at you because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. And God is trying to tell me and he's trying to tell you. I've got a mission. I've got a plan for you, no matter how crazy it may sound. I have a mission. This is the ark. When God commanded Noah to build the ark, it had never rained. It was absolutely crazy. It had never rained. But God was trying to save their lives. He was trying to save the lives of three brothers and their wives and the daddy and his wife. But Noah had to listen in order to do what God told him to do, even though no one else around him could understand The why. And he had to knock. And I believe every person in here has heard the knock of God. Sometimes it's for mission, but most of the time it's for you. 
And God will knock in a manner that will get your attention for you to do what you need to do for you. Not for anyone else, just for you. God wants you prosperous. He wants you healthy. He wants you happy because you are a child of God. I've got four sons. There's not one of my sons I want sick. There's not one of my sons I want unprosperous. There's not one of my sons I want sad or depressed. I want all of my sons to be doing great. But that's why I began with that first verse. Sometimes a daddy knows he's got to send his son through some hard knocks. That's the only way they learn. That's the way my father had. I used to be mad at that man so much. Woo! My daddy would make me go places I didn't want to go. He said, get up and come on, go drive me over here. I didn't want to go. We have a study every Sunday. Christian, how eager are you to get in the study every Sunday? Not that eager. <laughs> Not that eager. George, how eager are you to get in the study every Sunday? About a six out of ten. So the point is, the other two are sitting upstairs. See, if I ask them, it's going to be the same answer. Not that eager, about a six out of ten. And that six out of ten was on a good day. The thing is, a father often has to do some things that the sons don't like. He has to send them through a discipline. He has to send them through a hard knock. He has to send them through trial and tribulation and strain because a good daddy understands if you let children do what they want to do, they won't turn out worth a hoot. I told you the story. We had this youth conference. This man, he was up there preaching, and he said, mamas want their sons comfortable. Daddy wants them to be worth a damn. That's exactly what he said. But it was just as true as it could be. I want them comfortable, but I want them to be worth something. I want them to be able to handle the vicissitudes of life because I know life has got some stuff. Life is tough. And I worked out with my son Christian the other day, and I was just amazed at how strong he was. Christian is 225 pounds, solid muscle. He was able to bench 225 17 times, just an unreal feat for as I was concerned. I couldn't even come close to that. But then we started doing some other exercises, and I matched him pound for pound. And Christian said, that's kind of amazing. You're nearly 50 years older than I am, and I am 45 pounds heavier than you, and you 47 years older than I am, and you matching me pound for pound. He said, that's kind of, that's because Ringo, and because of the discipline and the sweat. That's why that is. It ain't just most men who are my age, they can't have moved with a hoop, much less lift anything. But that's because of the discipline of training and the discipline of training and going through some hard knocks and some rough stuff. I worked out with Ringo yesterday and Ringo said we're going to do a leg routine that's different than anything we've ever done. We're going to do 100 leg presses. We're going to do 25 at this weight. Then we're going to go up two steps, do 25 there, up two steps, do that, up two steps, do this. And we're going to do the last 25 on the maximum weight of the machine. I said, Ringo, I can't do that. I can't even do that. You're talking about 25 reps of leg press, the pin all the way at the bottom. You're talking about a whole stack, man. I said, I can't do that. It's the way a lot of my sons are talking about, I can't do that, Dad. I don't want to do that, Dad. They don't do that. And that's me what I was telling. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I was sounding like a child, and Ringo was a daddy. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I just didn't want to do that. I didn't even want to try to do that. Not only did I didn't want to do it, I didn't even want to try to do it. 
So Ringo got on, he did 25, and he moved the pin down two more, did another 25, moved the pin down two more, did another. And by the time he got to that third pin, Ringo was sweating, he was grunting, he was tired. When he got to the fourth one, he made it, he did 15, he had to stop, and he did the last 10. When he got up off the machine, he was limping. I said, I said, he said, all right, your turn. I said, man, I can't do that. I just can't do that. I can't do that. He said, you can do that. Go ahead, do it. Ain't no excuses, do it. See, that's the way a real daddy does. And we got in there too many whamby, pamsy, paisy. What Arnold Schwarzenegger, he put it, he's got too many of these, he call them girly men. I don't want to put it block, but anyway, that's what Schwarzenegger said. Daddy's not, without discipline, we will not grow. We will not be strong in either body or spirit. It takes discipline, and often discipline is painful. It's painful to come to church sometimes, especially when you don't want to. You just want to lay there. It's painful. But the discipline of a good daddy will take you to levels that you couldn't even imagine. And when I got on that machine yesterday, I told Ringo I couldn't. He just wouldn't take an excuse. So I made it through the first 25. I said, Ringo, I'm just going to go up one notch at a time, not these two, because I just can't make it with this whole. He said, you go up two notches. So I went up to two notches. Struggle through those. I said, one more night. I'm going through. You do the two notches. <laughs> I struggled through that. And I said, my knees feel like they're just about to pop. So I made it to the third one. He said, you got one more to go. You got one more to go. I said, I don't know about this. You got one more to go. Some of you all got one more to go. You've been struggling. You've been sweating. But yet you're not where you want to be and you're not where God wants you to be. You got one more to go. I made it through that last. I did what I didn't even think I could do. But that was because I had an encourager who would not take an excuse. And normally when I got up to do my workout this morning, sometimes I'll do what's called inversion. I've got this teeter-totter machine. You hang upside down. But I generally cannot hang upside down more than three minutes because it pulls on your whole body. You're literally about an inch and a half taller after you hang for about three minutes. But it pulls on your knees. I didn't feel any pull on my knees this morning. I stayed inverted straight up and down for over 12 minutes and I almost fell asleep. There was no strain on my knees because Ringo had strengthened my knees with something I felt I couldn't do. And that's how sometimes when God will send you through something and then you get to something tough and other folk can't understand, how come they're not all falling to pieces? They're not all falling to pieces because you've gone through the discipline of training and you can handle the weight and you can handle the strain and what will knock other folk out. It don't even phase you because God has sent you through the discipline of training, but it was painful. And some of the pain that you're going through right now, you're just in God's training ground. And God wants to take you to another whole level. But we want to get to the level without strain. George preached in his last message on follow Jesus. What was the subtitle of that? Follow Jesus. Are you willing to suffer? And when I was listening to the message, two words were ringing through my mind on that. Are you willing to suffer? You know what those two words were? How much? I was asking, how much suffering? I'm just being honest with you. A lot of people say, yeah, I follow Jesus anywhere. I'll suffer for anybody. Of course, how much? Because with Jesus' disciples, most of them left him when it got too much. How much are you willing to suffer? 
Often that will determine how high you are going is how much you're willing to suffer, how much discipline, how much stuff you're willing to cut out, how much stuff you're willing to stay on the right course with. How much are you willing to suffer? It's not just for Jesus. It's for you. How much are you willing to do if you really want to get to where you really want to go? And I asked this. I said, Lord, I said, I've been preaching these messages lately and they're kind of rough. I said, can't you give me some messages of just uplifting? You know, just where just got folk just happy. You know where folk just be happy. You know, I can just preach about the miracles that are coming in in your life. I don't want to be talking about no discipline. I want to talk about the miracles that are coming in your life. I just want you to just be able to come down and just get a prayer cloth and put that prayer cloth on your head at three o'clock in the morning and you just leave the prayer cloth on for 10 seconds and then stuff will just start happening with that prayer cloth on your head. That's why, Lord, can I do something like that? Can I just make it easy where it's just nice and just happy? He said, the spirit that's on you gets on the people. And that ain't the way I lead you. You have to do what you need to do. And when you study Jesus's teachings, Jesus's teachings were virtually always about what you needed to do. And it takes you to an entirely different level. But people, I'm telling you one thing about it. The closer you get to the obedience of God. And I'm not even obedient. I've got so many shortcomings and failings and fallings, but I still am pretty decent. And he said, even your sons are amazed at you. And that's probably Christian. He just said it for the first time. But he said, even your sons are amazed at you. Because one thing about it, Christian, when the last time you've seen daddy sick? You're not sure? Let me ask you this. Have you ever seen daddy sick? No. No. Even when I had COVID, I wasn't sick. I was positive, but I wasn't sick. Now, I'll tell you right now, God has told me you will either be terrific or terrible with your health. I'm not on the terrific end, so I'm in a danger zone because I haven't done what God told me to do. I'm working on it, but I'm not there. Raise your hand if you're working on it, but you're not there. I'm working on it, but I'm not there. And I know exactly what I need to do. But it's the pain of discipline that keeps so many of us from what we need to do and from the awesome destiny God has for us. And I'll tell you right now, I'm just so full of joy. I'm so happy. Even if I'm not fully obedient, just being halfway obedient to God is just phenomenal. I was driving to church this morning. I'm in my little bitty convertible Miata. I pull up at the stoplight and there's this man pulls up beside me. He's in a convertible. I'm in a convertible Miata. He's in a convertible Bentley. His car literally cost about 10 times what mine cost. Literally. And I looked over at him. He looked over at me. He did a thumbs up because both of us were in a convertible. (laughs) But his convertible was 10 times the cost of mine. Both of us had gray hair. But he was in this car, just hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm in this car, just a tenth of what he has cost. But I can just about guarantee you this. My car has a lot more miles on it. And I enjoy mine a whole lot more. I enjoy everywhere I go, everything I do. That car is six years old. It's got 110,000 miles on it, and I own three cars. See, most of the time, if you got that kind of high-end car, you don't drive it that much because you can't put that many miles on it. I drive my car. I live life to the absolute fullest. And what God has spoken to me, you shall live life fully and vibrantly until the last 10 seconds. It's what I have written on my I live life. I enjoy life. And you see, there's this. It's all in the news now about the smile curve of happiness and the smile curve of happiness. Basically, it's when you start out young, you're real happy up until you hit about 25. 
from 25 to 45 is what's called the nadir of happiness. It's when people are the saddest. Because from 25 to 45, they're going through all this stuff. They're trying to figure out who they are, what they're going to do, who they're going to marry. You know, all this pressure. Then you hit in the 40. Now you got this family and you're trying to pay for this. All this. Once you get 45, your happiness starts to increase. And it increases more and more and more as long as you don't have some real serious health issues. And when I went to pick up my mother for our family dinner, I saw just the attitude. This is for those 25 to 45 right now, or even before 25, because you're going to get there. When I went to pick up my mother, my mother's 89 years old. I play the video clip of my mother that I took at that day. I want you to just see this. Now, I'm actually talking over that. You don't need the audio, but that's my mother walking. Mama, 89 and mama can walk like that all day long. She's not going to walk two minutes and get tired and have to sit down. Mama can walk like that all day long. But when I was driving mama over to the dinner, mama was just amazed at everything. Mama said, oh, what a beautiful day. Mama said, oh, that's such a pretty building there. That building is so beautiful. It was a U-Haul storage facility. <laughs> Now, it was new, but it was a storage facility. Mama saw beauty in everything and in everybody. So her attitude reflected and it flowed through her very muscles and joints and tendons. Mama said, I have no aches. I have no pains. Mama can jump up and down. Mama can walk fast as light. Mama has no physical issues whatsoever. Only medication my mama take is blood pressure medication, which she's been on since 35 years old. But other than that, mama has no physical problems whatsoever. But her mind and spirit, and this is what the stat says to why once you start getting past 45 and the older you get, the happier you get. You don't have to wait to get old to get happy. You don't have to go through the 25 to 45 year dip if you gear your mind right. But because most people are like most people, they get what most people get. So for those of you who have not hit 25 or those of you who are in the 25 to 45 range, how is it that my mother can be so happy and so full of joy or those who are older can be, like you said, you know, the older you get, the sadder you all get because you're getting closer to death. Your body is not the same as it is when it's young. It's a mindset. And what they found, the older you get, the less people worry about this other stuff that worrying the young folk. They don't worry about what you think about. They don't worry about what somebody says on social media about. They don't worry about the shoes. They don't worry even about the hair. Now, Mama was making sure her hair looked all right. She was sharp. But it's not something that overwhelms people. You start to realize all this stuff is vanity. Solomon went through all of that with all of his wisdom. And he got to the end and said, all this stuff is vanity. The quicker you realize that, the faster you can move up on the happiness smile curve. And the less hard knocks you will have to go through. So you need to just read your mind. And especially if you're young, the second leading cause of death among people under 30 is suicide. These are the people who've got the most to live in front of. But why is suicide so high? Because they let trivial stuff that doesn't bother an old seasoned person, they let trivial stuff worry them to death. 
When an old person could get in your body, shoot, they'd be just as happy. Woo, they'd be, woo, woo. Some stuff will start working again and ain't working. They'd be able to move and think, woo. And young folk worry. And it's not that it's not significant, but it depends upon our mindset. And it's the mindset that I've always adopted. I didn't go through that 25 to 45 deal. I've been happy all my life. But I've also had the realization all my life of enjoying. I was the only person I knew that just couldn't wait to get to high school. I just enjoyed school. I learned and I found the beauty in it. I found stuff that really, because yeah, it's some negative in school. Sure it is. I was the first black to graduate with a degree in chemistry from my school. I had the hardest subject there. And I was the happiest person on campus. It's not your circumstances. It's your mindset. And I plan to live fully and vibrantly until the last 10 seconds. And this is the spirit I want to put on you. But you're going to have to have some discipline to get that. You cannot do like everybody else. You cannot do like everybody else. You're going to have to think, speak, and do differently than everybody else. And that's why a lot of people are afraid of getting old because they see what old folk look like. And that's what they don't want. Well, if you don't want that, don't do what they did. Don't do what they did and you won't get what they got. It's as simple as that. Hard knocks. They teach us. They discipline us. And I want to close by reading that scripture of Hebrew all over again. Because I want you to absorb this and I want you to understand you have a serious daddy. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 7 through 11. Endure hardship as discipline. If you just get this first line out of this message nothing else. For those of you who are going through hardship. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Let me repeat that. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful, but painful, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Hard knocks, hard knocks, hard knocks. Take us to a whole new level. I thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word. You can go to brothersoftheword.com. You can listen to this message, Hard Knocks, all over again, or send it to a friend absolutely free. Thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word, because, brother, you need the Word. I'm going to ask Pastor James to close us out for today. We praise God for that awesome message by Pastor, one that we all need to hear. We all have to work on discipline in some area of our lives. Even in our household mission statement at home, we have three principles for a kid's generation. And discipline is one of those three principles because it just affects so many areas of your life. 
more that you discipline yourself, the less that God and the world has to discipline you. So discipline is going to affect just how how you go in almost every area. And it doesn't seem pleasant, but the reward is worth it. And I can remember even one of my boys, they were in a pretty difficult middle school and they gave a lot of homework and they would send the reports on on how well they were doing on their homework and whether they did it. And, you know, I just got tired of seeing these things saying they weren't completing their homework. So I said, as a father, I've got to do something about this. And we talked to him and still just wasn't completing his homework. He knew how to do it. It wasn't that he needed help. He just wasn't doing it. So I told my wife, and she was picking him up from school, and, and I told her, I said, got to intervene in this so I said I want you to check his homework when you're leaving the school and if he doesn't have that homework from the prior day then I want you to put him out a block from the house with all of his books on his back and she did that and he still sometimes didn't do it so we had to elevate the discipline I said that each consecutive day he done had his homework you check it back up another block and put him out before the house. <laughs> and she was worried about him getting hit by cars and somebody snatching. And I said that the chances are if he doesn't get this discipline that life will cause him more dangers than somebody snatching him out there. And he had to keep going about three blocks but after a while he said, this homework is easy to be carrying these books a mile home. <laughs> and I said one of two things are going to happen. I said either he's going to be discipline in mind or he's going to have some strong legs, one of the two. At least he can run track or something. <laughs> and that's what we had to do. Discipline will seem like it's actually restricting you at first. But actually as it evolves it actually yields more freedom later on. You think about your health. The more disciplined you are, you're working out six days a week as you get older, you'll have more freedom. You'll be able to go and do, like my mother, the activities. You won't be as limited. But if you're not disciplined, you'll be limited in what you can do. You think about your money. The more disciplined you are, the more you stick to your budget. You do that for years, you'll have greater freedom later. You'll be able to go on vacation and buy what you want to buy. So discipline in your life is more restrictive in the beginning. You have to eliminate choices and do what you said you're going to do. But it'll give you greater freedom in the long run. Well, with heads bowed right now, there's anybody in this place. And God has been knocking on your heart as pastor preached about. Been trying to get your attention. And today you want to make the decision to open the door and listen. You want to discipline yourself before God or the world. Life has to discipline you. And this is not necessarily for salvation right now, but if you've been really hearing the knock of God on your conscience and you know it's something that he's calling you to do or calling you to stop doing, and you just haven't answered the call, just come to the altar right now. You've been hearing this knock. You're ready to answer today. Before he has to discipline you or life has to discipline 
you say, I'm going to do it the easier way. Even though it's not easy to discipline myself, it's easier than the alternative. Father, I thank you for your grace thus far. I thank you for knocking upon the door of my heart, upon the door of my conscience. I thank you for speaking to my heart. And today, I open that door. I listen to thy warning and I ask you to help me to walk in discipline I want to discipline myself so you don't have to so life doesn't have to I thank you for giving me the strength I thank you for giving me the ability to do what you've called me to do in Jesus name amen amen well our time is up you all can stand to your feet just bow your heads Lord we just thank you for this message on hard knocks today oh Lord we thank you for your grace and mercy thus far oh Lord we pray that you'll strengthen our will oh Lord to be able to do what you've called us to do oh Lord We thank you for knocking at the door and not kicking the door in, oh Father. But we go willingly, oh Lord. We open it and we go through it to do thy will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled, Hard Knocks, by Nathaniel Bronner. This message is number 5974. That's 5974. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 5974 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word. Oh, brothers of the word.